This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. And the tear busters keep rolling along. This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Matt Caraccio. And of course, joining me as always is Mr. Paul Pertichese. Paul, welcome. Matt, always glad to be here with you. The Tear Buster series is one of our favorite series that we do here at Saturday to Sunday. Episode one of the Tear Busters, we hit on the 2021 quarterback class. Tonight, we're going to get into the running backs and a lot of intriguing ones to talk about. Yeah, I mean, this, this is kind of our flagship series, right? The, 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 the series that we feel really kind of allows us to share our thoughts and, and get inside, you know, kind of those tough questions surrounding different positional groups. So here we are tonight on the heels of busting the tears of the quarterback class. Tonight, we are going to be busting up the running back class. So the running back class, Paul, just again, before we get into what makes up our tiers in the running back class, again, just as we started with the quarterback class, a 30-second to, to kind of one, one-and-a-half-minute kind of breakdown. What were your feelings on this class? Depth, types of players, caliber of players. Are we full of Hall of Famers? Are we just talking about committee players? Are we really looking at a class that's super deep? What were your kind of feelings on this class overall? So it's not as strong as what we saw last year. Like last year, we had that group of guys where we had J.K. Dobbins and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins. We had five guys that I thought warranted going in the top 50 picks last year. And then we had guys even deeper than that, you know, the Antonio Gibsons and the Zach Mosses. I think this class has some intriguing guys. I think it's a little top heavy. I think there's two guys that are are clearly at the top of this. And then I think there's an, a, a second tier that we'll get into obviously tonight that is very intriguing and could hear their names and probably will hear their names called on day two. And then there's some really intrigue on, de- on tier three for me that I can't wait to get into because they're guys that if they came out last year, or if the college football season was wiped clear this year completely, I think would have been in the tier two mix prior to this season starting. So so it's a little bit of an interesting group to really dissect and and break down. I think we do have a, I will say, I, I look at this and I see 10 guys who I think, you know, somewhere between eight to 10 guys who I think could definitely have an impact at the NFL level whether they're a lead guy for some of them, some people, you know, part of a committee, other people might have a more specialized role. So I see, I see somewhere between eight to 10 guys who I feel really confident are going to have a role at the next level. And then some dart throws in on day three. And some of those guys have some intriguing talents that we'll talk about tonight, you know, but need things to kind of break right in their favor, like all mid to late day three running backs do, right? They need the depth chart to fall in their favor. They need to be behind a decent offensive line because we know the amount of wiggle room they have is really small once you're talking about those day three guys. No, really great points. And, and, you know, I, 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 my first kind of feelings on this class, like you are, it's more top heavy than it is kind of well distributed throughout the class. And again, I'm still in the throes of my own evaluation process. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts as we unpack this. So for everybody out there, let's just kind of, kind of review what really makes up our tiers, a tier one running back. That means that's a player who's a potential round one NFL draft selection. This is a top six dynasty rookie pick. And these are considered day one starters. Many of their traits are above average with at least two being rare to elite. These players can and should be the focal point of the running game with the ability to contribute in the passing game as well. So think that quintessential three down back who can contribute in all situations, no matter what. That's what we consider a tier one player a tier two running back that's a round two to mid round three selection in the nfl draft this is a mid round one maybe early round two dynasty rookie pick you know this is somebody who's probably involved in a committee 
but this is probably the lead running back in the committee. They have several traits that are above average to very good. These players, you know, can and should contribute to the running game and have the capacity to contribute and be a factor in the passing game. These are players that have some concerns, though, likely about their ability to be a three-down potential. This could be from pass blocking, right? They're a little bit weak in pass pro, or maybe in terms of the passing game, they don't have as diverse of a route tree as other running backs in this class may, or maybe they're just particularly a one type of runner. Maybe they're more of an interior runner and not great on the outside. So there's there's a lot of great things to like about players in this tier, but maybe there's some long-term considerations or developmental things that we need to see evolve. A tier three player, this is going to be a mid-round three to round four selection in the NFL draft. This is a round two kind of dynasty or round three kind of dynasty rookie pick. This is a committee running back, and there's upside here. And this is going to be an upside you know, committee player. So this might be somebody who's not quite the lead running back, but we see the opportunity for this player to kind of catapult themselves into that level or maybe even beyond some of the traits are above average these players offer a competitive advantage as runners or as pass catchers and these players could emerge into bigger roles in the backfield by the end of year one or year two so think think of players that have something that would be their calling card right out of the gate but they also show the the acumen to solve various problems throughout the course you know of their respective opportunities Tier four players, this is a round five, round six selection in the NFL draft, typically a round three, four dynasty rookie pick. You know, these are lesser parts of a committee. These are probably handcuffs. You know, they have several traits that are considered solid or league average. These players have complementary skill sets that could develop into a specialized role or a lesser part of a committee in the future. And they're capable of leading the backfield and maintaining the integrity of the offense if called upon due to injuries. So this is like your Boston Scots of the world, right? Your Boston Scots of the world this past year, right? There were many times when Miles Sanders was like banged up. You know, Boston Scott took the reins. And while he wasn't winning your fantasy league, he was helping out. The biggest one, this is probably like a Mike Davis, right? Christian McCaffrey went down. Mike Davis kept the tempo of the Carolina offense going. Mike Davis showed, you know, he could kind of tote the, tote the, you know, the luggage, so to speak, without any issues. Jamal Williams also comes to mind. So that's who's in our tier four. And they're probably also fringe tier three level players as well. Tier five, well, that's our late round picks. Those are our UDFAs in the NFL draft. Those are late rounds, kind of watch list dynasty rookie pick players. So, you know, they're guys that are going to be more depth or practice squad players. You know, they have solid traits. They can stabilize the backfield in an emergency situation, but they're not long-term solutions. These are probably going to include players also that we may have had limited exposures of. Like we always say, you know, we're always using what's readily available to the public in terms of video. You know, if we don't have the video right now and and we're not sure, but we know these players are on the tips of everybody's tongue, you know, we're going to stick them in tier five and we're going to review them as we go and as more video becomes available. So that's just kind of a recap of all of our tiers, a quick review. So, Paul, without further ado, we talked about this class being top heavy, right? Tell me, what exactly does that top heavy portion of this class look like? I mean, I think I know who you're going to have in there. I mean, I'm going to go a little, I'm going to get a little like ESPN psychic into your brain there. I think I know who belongs in your top tier. I'm curious what your top tier ended up shaking out to be. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's been the same two guys, you know, since before the season started, I have not budged off these two guys being my top two running backs. And in my tier one is just two guys. They're the only two guys who I think weren't first round consideration. And it's Najee Harris out of Alabama. It's Travis Ethian out of Clemson. You know, prior to the season, I did have it as a 1A, 1B with Ethian at 1A, Najee Harris at 1B. I have flip-flopped it. it. Najee Harris now sits atop my running back uh, rankings with Ethan at the number two spot. But I think they are very different running backs. And I think you poll the 32 teams in the NFL, and I bet 18 of them maybe have 
you know, Najee Harris and 14 have Travis Etienne as the top guy in this class. Cause I really do think it depends on what you're looking for. Uh, but these two guys, you know, Najee Harris is the complete package. He is the best three down running back in this class. And it's not particularly close. He can run inside. He can run outside. He's got contact fidelity. He's got power. He's got strength. He's got physicality. He can break tackles. He's got good leg drive forward lean. He's got great soft hands out of the backfield. He can run routes. He can, he showed the ability to make plays on the ball with ball skills. He's got, he's got, I think for a man, his size, He's got good to very good athleticism. Maybe his long speed is average to above average. I don't care about that. You know, we're probably not even going to get those numbers that really some people overly concerned with because we're not really having a traditional combine this year. So the only thing that he doesn't really have is like elite game breaking long speed, but he's got good burst. He's got good initial quickness he could hit the hole hard he's got good vision he's got patience he lets things develop uh when he gets into the open field he can take it the distance he does have some acceleration uh you know especially he takes good angles so i think he's the complete player and i remember in the beginning of the year i talked about this i heard daniel jeremiah mention the name at forte and i didn't really think it fit at first but the more and more i watch Najee harris this year yeah, the body type and frame don't, I don't think it's not the, an ideal comparison. I think Najee Harris is bigger, physical, more strong. But the way Matt Forte, Matt Forte wasn't this burner. He was smart. He was intelligent. He had great vision and patience. He was a great receiver out of the backfield. I think Najee Harris is all of that. And then even add more power, strength, and physicality to his game. So he's at the top. Travis Ethian. I mean, this is the guy you want a guy who's, you want a guy, you want a guy, I'll go back to Najee for one second. You want a guy to define your offense, AKA a Derrick Henry. Najee Harris could be that defining guy. You want an explosive playmaker that can complement an explosive pass offense. I think Travis Ethian is your guy. I watch Travis Ethian. Their measurements are almost identical. I think he's very similar to Dalvin Cook coming out of Florida state. He's not a Dalvin cook was used as a receiver in college. He's became a much better receiver. I don't know if that's going to happen to Travis Etienne, but what I'm talking about is that elite game breaking speed, that stop, start acceleration, that, that burst to take it the distance, to be a big play for it. Anytime you get it, that lateral quickness to get to the outside. I think Travis Ethian fits best in an outside zone running type scheme. I think he can run effectively in any scheme, but I think if you were going to pick one specific, he's best in like an outdoor uh, an outside uh, zone running scheme, big play for it. His cutting ability, but that stop start acceleration. That's to me, his calling card. I think it's rare. I think it's special. I think he. I think both of these guys are going to be gallant in the first forty picks. If they go in round one, I think it's okay. They're special players to me. Those two, I thought they were going to come out last year, and they would have been in that mix with the other five because they went back to school and added some, you know, some star power to this position. To me, they're the guys most to be discussed. They're sitting at the top of my tier one. They're the only two guys in my tier one, and we've been talking about them for a while because these guys have been high-level prospects for years, and we expected them to be in last year's draft. I mean, I, I think it's well-documented how much I love Najee Harris. I mean, I've loved Najee Harris as, as much as probably anybody out there, um, so much so that even when people were down on him, um, I was still probably pounding the table and saying, you know, you have to wait. You know, give this guy an opportunity. I mean, he just happens to be playing for an offense that, you know, basically, you know, cooks running backs up in a lab somewhere because they end up getting these massive kind of, you know, incredible freaks of athleticism to play the position. You know, you just got to give him an opportunity to get a shot at Alabama and then just wait. Najee Harris, I think, Paul, just to, to kind of just to kind of really kind of touch upon two things that I think you said that are really great about him is uh, Najee Harris is a three down back. He is somebody that you're going to be able to, you know, hang your offensive kind of, you know, shirt on and say, this is our guy. We're going to take this ball. We're going to give it to this player and we're going to run it down your throat. Now I know that there's, 
you know, again, I think that the comparisons to, you know, players is very, very tough to do with any player. But I think that Najee Harris, you know, is a player that, again, if you've been watching the NFL recently and you've been admiring, you know, the players like, you know, like like the Derrick Henrys of the world, Najee is not Derrick Henry. It's just that Najee brings a a body and physicality to the position, a sort of assortment of problems that can he can solve in a very similar fashion to kind of a Leonard Fournette, Derrick Henry style. He can run between the tackles, he can beat you up, and he can make you miss. He's patient from behind the blockers, just as Paul noted, and then he's absolutely a threat in the passing game. Najee Harris is going to be a phenomenal athletic player, I think, at the NFL level. He's going to be a great problem solver, and he's shown it throughout college. He really has, and he's shown it even before then. I think Najee Harris, to me, I think if you're in a rookie draft right now and you have you know, the top pick, I'm thinking that Najee Harris is in consideration for you, regardless of your needs regardless of needs, other than quarterback. I think if you need a quarterback, I think you're taking Trevor Lawrence. If you're not in a two QB league and you're in a one quarterback league, I think Najee Harris is in, in honestly in serious consideration right now for the number one rookie pick off the board in any one quarterback league where you have you know a need outside of quarterback. I think that Najee Harris is that guy. Travis Etienne, I agree with you, Paul. I think Travis Etienne is going to make a team amazingly great. I think he could be a game changer for a team. A team like, just imagine, and I know this is not going to happen, but just imagine, you know, if a team, you know, just like, just imagine if some... I have a a landing spot that would be amazing, but I want to hear yours. No, 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 no. If you got a land, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, this is what this is for. You put him, you put him... In Kyle Shanahan's zone running exactly. scheme in San Francisco, it's over. Yeah, he's, running, he's running for 1,600 yards, I think. I'm not even joking. Like, yes. Look at guys who have ran and been productive in Kyle Shanahan's zone running scheme. You put, you put Travis Ethian in that, and then you got Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel running motion, fake jet sweeps. Forget about it. <laughs> like yeah. Absolutely forget about it. I mean, yeah. that's the dream landing spot. I don't think yeah. that's where he ends up just based on where San Francisco's picking. And, you know, I don't think they're going to prioritize a running back that high. But if you were to, you know, the dream scenario for Travis Etienne would be San Francisco. Yeah. And then there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's other teams, too. Right. I mean, depends on what happens with, you know, what does Denver do? Right. Maybe if Denver grabs him. I mean, that's another great landing spot. They can do a lot there with Denver, even though, yes, I understand they have Melvin Gordon. But who knows what happens with Philip Lindsay? And maybe he ends up being the heir apparent that takes over. That could be a fun little spot for him to kind of mature and grow into. There's so many opportunities out there. Point being is Travis Henry is exciting to look at. So, Paul. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, these are the players that kind of make up the top of the board for you. They would not change for me. Honestly, they would not change for me. So, I mean, I'm in lockstep with you. I would say let's talk about Tier 2 because I think Tier 2 has a player that is, and many would consider fringe level Tier 1, and, and maybe more than one. Maybe more than one of these guys is fringe level tier one in many people's eyes. I'm not inclined to say that, but I do know that there is a a swell, a groundswell of support for several of these players that were about, you know, a couple of these players that we're about to talk about that could be among tier one on some people's leaderboards. So I'm just curious, Paul, who sits in your tier two? Yeah, so I got three names in my tier two, and and we'll start right at the top of it. And honestly, if we structured these tiers a little bit differently, the guy I'm about to bring up could, to me is is almost stuck between two tiers. Yep. He he's a step ahead of the other two guys in his own tier, but I didn't I wasn't ready yet to put him in the tier with Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. He's almost like in this tier. I think the other two guys who we're gonna get to, I think around three guys, right? And this guy, I think, is a mid-round two guy, maybe even an early round two guy, which is not that close. I mean, which is not that far away, I should say, from where I think Najee Harris and Travis Etienne can go. So I honestly think this player, and his name is Javante Williams out of UNC. 
So wait, let me let me just clarify. You you have a very good feeling because I, I don't disagree with you. You think there's a reality where Najee Harris and Travis Etienne and Javante Williams could go within you know 10, 15 picks of each other. One hundred percent. I think not only do I think it, not only do I think it's probable. Even I think it's more probable and not probable because I think what's going to happen is I think from about pick twenty two to the end of round one is where we're going to potentially potentially see Najee Harris or Travis Etienne go. It's also possible that neither of them go there and they fall at the top of round two or only one sneaks into round one. I think. I think Javante Williams is probably gone by pick 45 to 50 at the latest. Wouldn't put it past the team in the mid to late 30s taking him. So if I think Javante Williams is off the board by 45, 50 at the latest, and I think Travis Ethan and, and Najee Harris are somewhere between 22 and 35, there's a world that those could kind of you know collide towards each other and they're in that 10 to 15 range window. And I don't think it's crazy because we already said Najee Harris is the best three down back in this class. I don't think Javante Williams is getting enough credit to be one of the other better three down backs. He gets a little bit pigeonholed that he can't be a three down back because he played in a dual backfield at UNC. First off, don't hold that against them. Every NFL backfield is almost a dual backfield. Now there's very few that aren't. Right. You know, Saquon Barkley, but he can't even stay healthy right now. Like a few others, Ezekiel Elliott, he seems like he's already, you know, slowly, you know, on the downside of his career and no longer elite. So the true solo backfield is a very dying breed in the NFL. So I'm not worried about that. But what I, I will say about Javante Williams is I think he's the best pass protector in the class. That's hands down. Second, he can catch the ball better than I think he's given credit for. Third, He's he's not Travis Etienne in terms of his long speed, but he's comparable to Najee Harris in terms of that explosion for a guy for a bigger guy, the quickness, the burst, the acceleration. So you add that he breaks tackles as good as anybody in the class with Najee Harris. So he's got that great contact fidelity, play strength, toughness, physicality, forward lean. I I I did a deep dive not that long ago. To me. He's on the spectrum of, I think he's Chris Carson at the worst case. But if everything breaks right, he's got some Nick Chubb qualities to him. And and every anyone who's been a longtime listener to this show knows how much we love Nick Chubb here. Matt even more than me in the pre-draft process. But we were big Nick Chubb fans. So to me, Javante Williams is somewhere on the... I would say if I had to say who he's most likely, a more athletic version of Chris Carson... But that could end up turning into a Nick Chubb level of player. So I am very high on on Javante Williams. He's very close. If I was going to pick one guy who could jump tiers, it's 100% Javante Williams. He almost should be in his own tier. But he starts my tier two. Michael Carter is teammate at a UNC right behind him. I talked about him a lot. He's across to me of Devin Singletary, uh, Darren Sproles, you know, he's somewhere in, you know, somewhere in that mix. And there was a third guy that I'm drawing a blank on who, who I, oh, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire in terms of tough for a small guy, physical, breaks tackles, good contact balance, good catch, good, not good, great catcher of the ball out of the backfield. His vision is on a level of Devin Singletary. I always come back to this. Devin Singletary looked like an elite athlete or a great athlete in college because of how good his vision was to set up cuts that made him look faster as play speed. than That to me is Michael Carter. I think he's a good athlete. I don't think he's got great speed. If he was going to be tested in the 40, I think it would be like a four, five, two. I truly believe that, but he plays faster than that, which is all that matters because his vision is excellent. His cutting ability can make people miss the agility, the elusiveness. You had the receiving component to it. I think he's perfect for the way the NFL has played. Spread him out. He can do shotgun draws. You can he can run inside zone stuff. So many different things you can do with Michael Carter. I think he's a part of a backfield, just like he was part of a backfield at UNC. I think he's a somewhere late round two or most likely round three pick. And he is gonna be really impactful player at the next level. And then rounding out my tier two is Trey Sermon. You know, uh Formerly of Oklahoma, this year Ohio State had a monster finish to the season here. 
he's got a little bit more juice than I think people realize for a guy his size. So I like I like his burst and acceleration for his size. He's not you know he's not a four four burner or anything like that, but he's got some juice. Again, toughness, physical. He always seems like he's picking up more yards. He's he's functional in the passing game. So I think Trey Sermon is a better running back than Zach Moss and Zach Moss went in the third round last year. So I think that's the world Trey Sermon's going to be living in. I think you combine Trey Sermon, like in a perfect world, if you can combine Trey Sermon and Michael Carter and they form a backfield in the NFL, I think they're a perfect one, two punch. So, you know, you think about, you think about what teams have in the NFL and if they have somebody that can do some of the Michael Carter stuff, well, then I think Trey Sermon is is, is a perfect complement alongside that uh, because he can carry a heavy workload. He's a good inside runner. I think that's where he's going to live, more inside. Occasionally he could break one out, but I think he's going to be more of an inside, you know, a gap or zone runner. But I like his overall game. He showed – I was glad to see him finish out the year strong because I think that represented a little bit more of his talent level than what we had seen at other times in his collegiate career. So, I mean, I really don't have a lot to add, but I, I do want to make a couple quick points. First point is Javante Williams. I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I get absolute Najee Harris light vibes from him. That's exactly who I see. That's exactly who I've been seeing, and that's not a slight on him. That means that I just see a, a version of a Najee Harris-type player, which means that physical kind of a very well-attuned, good vision type of runner who can win in a variety of ways. Michael Carter, Paul, I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's the NFL's opportunity to go and draft Miles Gaskin again and not make the mistake of overlooking him because that's kind of where I get a lot of vibes too. I get a lot of vibes of Michael Carter. I get a lot of Miles Gaskin vibes. And not Miles Gaskin coming out of Washington. I'm talking about the Miles Gaskin we saw in Miami this year. That's the Miles Gaskin I'm talking about. And if you had a chance to watch Miles Gaskin this year, Miles Gaskin was a hell of a runner this year. A hell of a runner. And I'm not just talking about fantasy. I'm talking about a guy who could play in a in a scheme. He did everything from catching the football to running between the tackles to winning on outside zone and outside run plays. Miles Gaskin looked phenomenal this year. Miles Gaskin is probably doomed to have somebody join him in the backfield, unfortunately. I hope that's a player like Javante Williams um, or a player like Trey Sermon. Um, but I think Michael Carter is going to provide teams with a Miles Gaskin type of opportunity that people can go and get now and not make the mistake of overlooking him. That's a player that I really like when I think about Michael Carter. And Trey Sermon, as you said to it, he finally had that big season we were looking for on the way out really just in time for the draft. And I, and I, I hope he ends up in a place that's, you know, conducive to his talents because he is a talented player. Paul going into to tier three, tier three is a very interesting tier. I think, especially this year, we talked about this class being top heavy and then it really kind of teetering off. I think you start to see that a little bit in tier three, but you still have a couple of diamonds in the rough guys that, could end up emerging, but I think you begin to see that that kind of that kind of place where the class begins to kind of have a, a little bit of an abyss or chasm between them. Am I wrong, or is that kind of where we begin to see the divide? Yeah. So listen, I think this is a very intriguing tier. To me, it's a big drop off after after this tier. I think this tier has some really intriguing players that really could make a an impact at the next level. And I think some of these guys are guys that are talent level could be on the level of Michael Carter and Trey Sermon in terms of the impact they're going to have at the next level. To me, this tier, I'm going to, let me run through the whole tier and then I'll, I'm going to pick and choose my spots. I'm not going to go as long on each guy as we did on the, the top guys, but it, it's, it's Shuba Hubbard out of Oklahoma state. It's Kent Gainwell out of Memphis. It's Demetric Felton out of UCLA. Some people might say he should be in the wide receiver show. For now, I'll leave him in the running back tiers. Javion Hawkins out of Louisville. Trooper Hubbard, if he came out last year, he was going day two. Now he's probably going more round four, round five. He's got big playability. He's got you know good speed, athleticism, burst, acceleration. He's got all of that. He's a he's an above average pass catcher. This year he came back to school and he just he struggled a little bit. Was it was it him? Was it the team? You know, probably a combination of all three. But I still think there's a scenario where he could be an impactful player as part of a committee. I think he could be a guy that could be 
you know, you add him to, you know, again, I, I brought him up before, so I'll just use him again. But a guy like Chris Carson, you you form a duo with a guy like Chris Carson and a guy like Truba Hubbard, very different play styles, right? Carson is that physical, grind it out, break tackles, punish you type guys. But then Hubbard is a guy outside zone, I think is his best explosion, burst, make a big play. I, you know, so to me, I always had some concerns about, you know, his contact fidelity, his ability to absorb contact, his play strength and physicality. And I still think those are a, a little bit of developmental areas for him, but I still think he can be a big play threat. I think he's got the speed and burst and acceleration to be a weapon. He's, he can be a weapon catching the ball out of the backfield as well. Kent Gainwell, very similar. Kent Gainwell is, is an explosive, explosive running back. You know, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. But again, I think he's another guy. You want to get him the ball in space, especially on the perimeter. He gets to the second level. He's going to make a big play happen. So, you know, he's got the quickness. He's got, you know, he's got elusiveness, agility, cutting ability. So I think Hubbard and Gainwell are very comparable in terms of what their role is going to be like at the next level. I don't think they're guys that can carry a heavy workload. I think they're guys that are going to live in that, ideally that 11 to 13 or 11 to 12 touch a game, but they could be high level impactful touches. They remind me a lot. And I don't, this, I feel terrible that I'm forgetting the guy's name. Who was the running back who Baltimore drafted a couple years ago that we both liked? Oh, this, the, the speedster, this is going to, uh, this is going to drive me nuts. I'm going to have to look at this on air to see Hill, Hill. What's it? I'm drawing. Oh, yeah. Justice Hill. Justice Hill. I, I look at, Truba Hubbard, I look at Ken Gainwell, and to me, they're very similar to what I thought about Justice Hill. Doesn't mean they're going to get an opportunity. We've seen Justice Hill kind of get buried there in Baltimore, right? But I think they're, to me, Hubbard and Gainwell are in that mold of what they can bring to a table. To me, they're very comparable to what Justice Hill was. I remember liking Justice Hill. I thought he was going to be a, a guy who should be taken in round three. I think... Hubbard and Gainwell are like, I thought they were round three, round four talents. It sounds like they're going to more go on day three now, but I think they're borderline late round three, round four type guys, big playability, not guys who are going to carry a heavy workload. That's what I think about those two guys. Then you have a specialist in Demetric Felton. He's Naheem Hines-like. He's a guy that might end up converting to a full-time wide receiver. That's kind of where he was living at the senior bowl. But I think he's a guy that you can use him part running back, part receiver, and he could be a really high-level impactful player on a level of Naheem Hines, who we saw be impactful this year for the Indianapolis Colts. I think he's either going to be end up being exclusively a slot receiver or he's going to play that role like a Naheem Hines. Probably depends on what team he goes to. I think he's an offensive weapon. I love his pass catching ability. I love him in the open field. He's not going to be a guy who breaks a lot of tackles, but he's got a role. He's got good footwork, cutting ability, elusiveness, agility, but his pass catching is what makes him is going to be his bread and butter. And then Javion Hawkins, you're looking for a pure change of pace, big play threat, get him the ball in space, get him the ball on the perimeter, outside zone stuff or inside draws and zone. Javion Hawkins, the big thing about Javion Hawkins, you want a player like him to be a guy who can be a weapon as a receiver. We just didn't see many instances of that. So maybe he can, and it just wasn't part of the Louisville offense. But I think that's the intriguing part about Javion Hawkins. But he's got Big, big game-breaking ability. So I think he's probably going to go. I think all of these guys, if any of these guys go on in top 100 picks, I'm not going to be surprised. Hubbard, Gainwell, Felton, Hawkins. Why? They all have big playability. They are all offensive weapons. We live in a world now that teams need and want an unlimited amount of offensive weapons at their disposal. All of these guys are intriguing in that. That's why I think you had the top two, three, five, nine guys. To me, after these nine, I have a lot more question marks. I think all nine of these could have a role and be impactful players at, in the NFL. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, actually. And in, in second gaze of your list, I actually didn't see these guys until now. I would agree with you. I think that the, you're right. The divide begins to kind of form now. So as we begin to kind of talk about this next tier, I think, you know, due to time constraints, what I'll do is I'll, I'll kind of read them off to you. I'll pick a player that I, I really am interested in hearing about too. 
And then you can pick anybody else that you may want to look at in this tier. And then we can move on to the last tier. So in this next tier, you have listed, you have Jarrett Patterson out of Buffalo. You have Kylan Hill out of Mississippi State. Puka Williams out of Kansas. And of course, Larry Roundtree out of Missouri. I'd be remiss, Paul, if I didn't ask you about Larry Roundtree. That is a name that is seems to be gaining a swell, a ground swell in, in the world of you know, running backs and people have him all over the place. People might have him, you know, higher than this, lower than this. You know, I'm just curious, what were your thoughts on Larry Roundtree and where he is? Yeah. So listen, I think Larry Roundtree is one of those guys who is a solid functional running back. To me, I had his strengths as vision, patience, contact balance, play strength, physicality, finishing ability. He had some one cut ability. I liked his footwork forward lean. To me, his receiving skills and production is something that I think is not going to be a high-level impact at the next level. Didn't see a lot of make-you-miss, cutting ability, agility, elusiveness. But I think his frame, his athleticism, burst, acceleration, they're functional. They're average. Uh, I think he's a solid back. I think he's clearly a round four, round five guy. I think people who like him more than me, might look at him and look at a guy, look at him and compare him to a guy like Alexander Madison out of Boise. See, I thought Alexander Madison was a more well balanced guy. I thought Alexander Madison was a better receiver coming out of college. I thought he had a little bit more athleticism to him. I look at Larry Roundtree and I think depth piece who could maybe work his way to be a lesser part of a committee. But maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm missing something on that because it seems that it seems that other people are higher on him than me, but I I think he's a functional back. And I think those guys, like you said, maybe he turns into a Mike Davis style player, something along those lines. We've seen guys come from day three, but I think he's more of an inside runner. That's where I think he lives. I don't think he's going to be a lot of big play. I think he's a chain mover. So I think there's a lot of guys like that, but so so that's where I am. I might be a little bit low on him compared to what, what, what's out there. Uh, You know, but, but that's where I am on Larry Roundtree right now. As far as any other players in this tier that stand out to you that you'd love to give, I mean, Kylan Hill, I mean, it seems like we've gone from should be in tier one to could be in tier two, and now we're in tier four. And I think that that's not, I, you're not alone there. I know a lot of people have had varying opinions on Kylan Hill and, and the, and the controversy still surrounds Kylan Hill. What are, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, so Kylan Hill, I thought was very much, I was never as high on Kylan Hill as some people were. I looked at him and I thought very much he was a very comparable player to Zach Moss. I thought he was a solid inside runner, strong, physical, you know, tough runner, picked up the yards, broke tackles, absorbed contact well. I was excited to to see him this year in that Mike Leach offense. He showed that he could catch the ball a lot, which was a question mark we wanted to see answered. And and he answered that in the few games he played before he opted out. But the thing about Kylan Hill is, is I think there's a lot of guys that can do what he does. So to me, I think him and, and I think I like him a little bit more than Larry Roundtree. And, and, you know, because I do think Kylan Hill's a little bit better of a receiver. But honestly, I think they're both, you know, day three guys. And I think they're both depth guys who can work their way to be lesser parts of a committee. So that's kind of where I am on Kylan Hill. I think Jared uh, uh, Patterson at a Buffalo, again, because it's Buffalo, you know, it makes it an intriguing guy. But this is a guy who put up monster statistical seasons. I think he, I think he's got uh, really good to very good vision and, and natural running instincts. Patient, lets his blocks develop. I love his footwork, cutting ability, stop start, uh, His stop start ability is very smooth. I love his agility, change of direction, elusiveness, makes people miss. Uh, even as even at his size and frame, which is a little bit light, to me, he's got above average to good contact fidelity good play strength. So there's a lot to like. I think his athleticism is probably above average to good overall. Uh, his long speed is not like a, an, it's not like a good or great, but I think it's above average. So there's a lot to like about Patterson. I think he's another guy in that round four, round five mix. You know, honestly on film alone, I like Patterson even a tad more than I like Kylan Hill uh, and Larry Roundtree. And then Puka Williams is a real wild card who I had in this because he's very much, a comparable player to what I was talking about with JVN Hawkins before. And he actually does have a lot of receiving 
you know, experience where he caught 27 passes in 2019. This guy is a very good to great athleticism. I love his long speed, his burst. This is a guy who's had some off the field issues. So that could end up hurting his draft stock. And then, you know, who knows if he even gets drafted or he falls out of draft. But on skill alone, I think Puka Williams is very talented. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see, uh, you know, if he gets an opportunity, because I think he could be that change of pace receiving back outside zone or inside gap. Uh, I mean, outside zone or outside gap running scheme, but you could also do some inside stuff with him as well. I think he's got a lot of natural upside uh, to his game. It just depends on if he gets an opportunity or not. So going on to tier five, we have Khalil Herbert out of Virginia Tech. We have Rakeem Boyd out of Arkansas, Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State, Chris Evans out of Michigan. Uh, excuse me, I can't read. Oh, Ramrod Stevenson uh, out of Oklahoma and Josh Johnson out of UL Monroe. So just out of curiosity, um, Ramondre Stevenson, uh, Chris Evans, Jamar, Rakeem, Khalil, Josh. I mean, you know, I have a guy in here that I'm particularly a little bit interested in. Any of these guys stand out to you as guys that you think really need to be kind of focused on? Yeah, listen, I, I thought Rakeem Boyd was solid when I watched him play. To me, he was very similar to Larry Roundtree a little bit. Like, I thought I thought he was a guy that was pretty functional. You know, he was pretty solid at everything. I didn't think he had, a, you know, a great calling card. He was an inside runner, tough, physical. Uh, you know, so I thought he was interesting. But to me, I think, I think where this – is really an intriguing tier because there's a lot of guys here that, that some exposure is limited to. And these guys were, you know, I want to get, I haven't added them to a notebook. I want to get some more Khalil Herbert tape because there are some people that are, that are high on him, like really high on him. People that I respect who like him. And he was a a guy that I want to watch more of, you know, Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State. Some people really liked him coming into the year. He's in the notebook. I think I think he's a, a solid. I think his lack of receiving ability, I think, hurts him a little bit. Chris Evans was a highly recruited player to Michigan. You know, never really got an opportunity to put it all together there. So he was interesting. He was at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson was as well. Uh, so there was a bunch of guys who were Senior Bowl guys. I think it's a bunch of guys who are going to go late in the draft. You know, I think they're around six, round seven or, or priority free agents here. I think Herbert is the most intriguing one that could push his way a little bit higher. And if anybody makes a tear jump, once I watch a little bit more film, uh, I think it might be Herbert in this group. Uh, but I think these are guys that are definitely towards the back of the draft or priority free agents. Well, so there you have it. There is the tiers, the running back tiers. And Paul, I mean, I'd be it would be silly if we didn't kind of end this show just kind of with a couple of summarizing questions because I always have a couple with regards to, you know, where these guys, where we would situate them when it comes to our rookie drafts. And, you know, I guess here's the thing. I'd love to play a game of, you know, in the first round, not in the first round. So I'm going to give you a name. You tell me if he belongs in my first round of my rookie draft. So Let's assume we have a 12-team league. Let's assume for a moment that it's PPR, and it's one-point PPR for running backs. And I'm just going to go ahead and name them. Obviously, Najee Harris, round one? Yes. Absolutely, right? Travis Etienne, silly question, too. Javante Williams? Yeah, he's going round one. Michael Carter? I think think that's the first one that's borderline. I think Michael Carter depends on on situation because if he ends up in a situation that he could immediately be impactful, I think he's locked for round one. If he ends up in a situation where he's got to wait a little bit, I think then, and by wait, I mean maybe year one, he's just, you know, you know, he's, he's used a little bit like JK Dobbins this year was Uh, the receivers are so strong this year and the quarterbacks are so strong and you're staring at potentially two tight ends worthy of round one uh, rookie dynasty pick consideration. So I think Michael Carter is not a slam dunk because I think it'll depend on his landing spot. I could see scenarios where he's early, uh, early round two in a rookie draft and I'll, and, and Trey Sermon, the same thing. I think he's another guy that if he ended up in the ideal spot, he could be in round one, but I'd feel more comfortable saying he's going to go in round two. Well, I mean, that's what I was going to say. It's a little silly to ask any other you know, particular running backs, given that's where the line breaks. So I'm going to ask you this then. 
if we kind of look for that that diamond in the rough, that sleeper, that one guy that you have to take a shot on, because again, rookie drafts vary from league to league, from you know, from people's leagues, home leagues to everything different in terms of rounds and how deep they go. So if we assume that the rookie draft is somewhere in that three to four round range. If it's a non Devi component league, if there's Devi, then it's a good chance that this is a very shallow league in the sense of what's available. But if we're assuming that everybody's available, there was no Devi component and it's a four round draft. Give me your fourth round running back flyer. Fourth round. I think we, I think at that point we're, we're probably out of tier three. But if anybody from tier three is left, if Javion Hawkins or Demetric Felton, uh, if either of those guys are left, they're they're by immediately run to the podium, make the pick. I think we're probably looking at that next tier. So I would say the guys that would intrigue me most from a fantasy component, if they were still there, would be. Uh, Jared Patterson out of Buffalo and Puka Williams out of Kansas. Those would be my my guys that I think are more likely to be available in round four. Uh, that would intrigue me. But if, like I said, if anybody from round my tier three were to fall, and I I don't anticipate that in any way happening. But if they were, I would jump at Felton or Javion Hawkins. But if those guys are gone, then I would I would probably be honing in on. Patterson out of Buffalo or Puka Williams. I like their dual capability to be big play runners, but also be receivers out of the backfield to add to that. Because as we know, mostly, you know, we're PPR now, or at least half PPR. Uh, so I would, I would skew more towards Patterson or Williams from that tier, unless Kylan Hill or Larry Roundtree ended up obviously in an ideal situation. But if so, they would probably have been pushed up the board then. So if we're talking about ho-hum situations, I'm going to go on the guys who I think natural talent. I think Patterson and Puka Williams' natural talent are more talented and have more receiving upside as well than the other guys in that mix for me. So just out of curiosity, if you're in a particular league and you have a little bit of a need for running back and you know that you have one of those aging stars, right? So we're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about, um, you know, we're not talking about DeAndre Swift and we're not talking about you just having to, you know, you just drafted Clyde Edwards Hilaire. We're not talking about you still own Christian McCaffrey or Kamara. We're not talking about those guys. But let's say you're talking about your number one running back is Aaron Jones, and all the uncertainty swirling around, you know, whether or not he'll be in, you know, Green Bay or not. If we're talking about Aaron Jones and players of that level, players of that particular tier at the running back position, what do you think? Would you be moving? If somebody said to you, you know, I'd like to take your, you know, if I gave you Aaron Jones, what would you have to add to Aaron Jones, if anything, to get up to Najee Harris? Would you, would you consider it? Is that something you would consider? Or do you think Aaron Jones is the wrong player for this kind of thought exercise? Would you choose somebody different? My question being is, more or less, if you were on the verge of hitting that Aaron Jones-level player where the uncertainty is swirling, we're getting into that maybe maybe the the twilight in terms of the stati- you know the statistical twilight of their career you know we get concerned about the wear and tear of running backs at a certain age so on and so forth as the narratives go if you have a player like that and you're trying to get younger at the position is this the player or the is this particular player like you know is is Najee Harris the guy that you're moving heaven and earth to kind of go and get or are you going to sit on Aaron Jones and just say, you know what, I'll, I'll ride him until I die with him, so to speak, and you know what, I'll, I'll see what the next class offers. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think I think it always is team dependent upon whether you're trying to win, rebuild, and stuff like that. But I think in a vacuum, you're, you're screwing up my exercise. It's not team dependent. It's my team. What are we doing with Aaron Jones? <laughs> in, in, a, in a vacuum, I do think yeah. selling your running backs early it's always the way to go in dynasty. You want to get out a year or two earlier than a year or two late because look, you know, two years ago or so you could have gotten the work. People could have gotten the world for Todd Gurley, right? And look how fast it changed. Aaron Jones is now coming off two great statistical seasons in a row, right? Yeah. This one, you know, you know, as well. 
But the thing is, is A, we don't know, you know, where he's going to end up. Even if he ends up back in Green Bay, we don't know if they're going to start working in AJ Dillon more and Jamal Williams, who knows where he, where he ends up. So I think it's always better if you can get out early at the running back position. So if I could turn Aaron Jones into Najee Harris, I would do it. If I could turn Aaron Jones probably into Travis Heaty and I would do it. I, I think I would draw the line there. I don't think I would trade Aaron Jones for anybody in my tier two. I do like Javante Williams, but there would be there would be more that needs to come back to me, I think, with 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 Javante Williams to give up on Aaron Jones, unless he went somewhere and it was a really poor landing spot and I was uncomfortable with the landing spot. But I do think a general rule of thumb is you want to try to get out ahead. So, you know, if a team's willing to pay sticker price for a running back, you know, who's already been in the league five years or something. I think it makes a lot of sense to try to turn it over to get the next guy and then have him in the fold for the next four or five well, years. You know, and not to divulge too much, but I mean, since we always have these discussions and we have a great time with them, you know, I we're in a league together and I own Christian McCaffrey and, and we were talking very recently about, you know, my, my preference is about potentially trading McCaffrey this year. And I know how blasphemous that might be, but you know, I just thought that this would might be a year to potentially still, you know, potentially cash in a little bit. I mean, I think most people understand this was a fluky kind of, you know, injury ridden season. And I don't think many people are looking too far ahead. I mean, his current ADP is the overall number one fantasy player still. So, I mean, it really hasn't hurt his kind of overall feel. Um, but you know, McCaffrey was a guy that I was considering moving, but it was only if I was going to get a player that was, you know, a top tier rookie from last year. And I had to have the assurance that I would get Najee Harris along with a future first rounder. So my point being is I think Najee Harris holds a lot of weight in terms of his versatility. And I think he's going to be a great player for teams that are willing to, again, like we just gave that thought exercise with Aaron Jones, you know where I'm really thinking about this, Paul? If I had David Montgomery on my team, this is the year I'm moving David Montgomery. If I can somehow turn him into Najee Harris, I'm doing that in a millisecond. Yeah, yeah, and I'm right there with you. But I think I think that is probably a pipe dream. I think a guy like it is, it is. But he's coming off the best season. Like uh, this is the time. This is the time. Like I can see now. People are saying Tariq Cohen comes back, and I get that. But if you had to add, let's say, a second rounder to a David Montgomery to get up to that number one, just because you know maybe people are just saying I don't, I don't need that. That's fine. I can use it. This might be the year to do it. You know, this might be the year to kind of kick in a little bit more to turn into a, a player into Najee Harris if you need him. Yeah, I, I I agree with you for wholeheartedly. I would trade David Montgomery in the second round pick for Najee Harris or Travis Ethian in a nanosecond. I think I think the case is more intriguing of do you get out while his value is at its highest right now and go get Javante Williams and maybe you get something else back. Like, you know what I mean? Like I think I think David Montgomery right now probably can can net somebody the pick for Javante Williams and another rookie pick. You know what I mean? Like that I think is more feasible and that to me is still getting out while he's at his highest because I don't think what we saw down the stretch is who David Montgomery is. I think he's a solid Back. Don't say that. You ruin his draft value. Listen, that is who he is, and I'm getting Najee Harris for it. Don't you lie to the <laughs> no, 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 he's like no, but it's a, but the, the thought exercise is intact. This is this is the year where I think if you're talking about these running backs, like we just said, Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, even if you're willing to get bold and trade Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, this is the year where I think you could get up you could get a lot in return. I just think that Najee Harris has to be part of some of these deals. And I just think that he could be a player that you're trading around and moving around to go get. Paul, any any final thoughts on this class, the thought exercise we had, fantasy in general, the earth as we know it. I mean, just you can go anywhere at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think I think when when really push comes to shove, after Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, what I would do if I needed a running back is I'd aggressively try to go buy one of the guys from last year. And you wouldn't be able to get Jonathan Taylor. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, maybe. You might be able to trade a mid-first round or late-first round rookie pick at this point for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. J.K. Dobbins, yeah, you might. You might be able to You might be able to swipe in and get J.K. Dobbins That's the one for, I want. for a mid-to-late first round rookie pick. You might be able to get Cam Akers for an early second round rookie pick. 
or a late round one rookie pick. I like Javante Williams, but we don't know his landing spot yet. Mm-hmm. If I could, if I could take a pick that I thought was going to be the the approximate area of Javante Williams, let's just say somewhere between eight and twelve. If I could take that pick and turn it into J.K. Dobbins or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or Cam Akers. Akers, I would definitely do it for J.K. Dobbins instantly. I would definitely do it for DeAndre Swift instantly. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I'd have to debate that because I don't know anymore. As much as you want to be attached to that offense, you also have to realize it's Patrick Mahomes. They're not going to take the ball out of his hands as much as we thought. So he better become a consistent 60 to 70 catch running back out of the backfield, I think, to live up to what we thought he was going to be. And does Andy Reid always going to want another guy there? Because that's what it seemed like this year. So we don't know that. You know, so, but the pick in that late round one where Javante Williams would go instantaneously traded for J.K. Dobbins, instantaneously traded for uh, DeAndre Swift. I'm maybe even okay trading it for Cam Akers and probably okay trading it for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as well. What about Antonio Gibson? Ooh, honestly, I'm a, I'm a believer. I, I, I actually have Antonio Gibson higher than, than some of those guys. So, yes. Yeah, I agree. Yes. I agree. So, so I, w- I would definitely, definitely. I'd check in on Antonio Gibson before I, I check in on you know, those guys. To be honest with you, right after Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, I'm willing to trade if you need a running back and you're stocked at wide receiver and you're like, yeah, it would be nice to have Devonta Smith. It would be nice to have Jalen Waddle, or Rondell Moore or Jamar Chase. But if you don't need that, if that's not what you need right now and you need to go get a running back, don't be, don't be unwilling to offer pick four, pick five, pick six in a rookie draft to go target one of these running backs. Don't reach for Michael Carter or Javante Williams or somebody like that. Don't reach for him. Go try to get the guy, a guy from last year. You're not going to get Jonathan Taylor because how he finished out the year, that's not happening. But the other guys, the other guys could be accessible because somebody could look at Lamar Jackson and Baltimore using multiple backs to say, okay, I'm willing to, to, to get out on J.K. Dobbins for pick five in the rookie draft or something like that. You know, I basically get back what I, I, I spent on him or give or take. Same thing with Cam Akers. Same thing with, you know, Antonio Gibson. Somebody might not be a believer and they might say, wow, I took Antonio Gibson in late second round or middle of the third round last year. Now someone's willing to give me the fifth or sixth pick in the draft. Yeah, I would. So, 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 so be aggressive when it comes to last year's guys as well using this year's draft capital. Cause I do think there's question marks after the top two. I like Javante Williams and we'll see where he goes. But then even Michael Carter and Trey Sermon, I think they're, I think those guys at best are going to be in dual backfields and then everybody else is a wait and see. Yeah. I, and listen, I'm right there with you. I think this is the year to make a move. That was the whole point of this conversation. This is the year where I smell blood in the water to go and use maybe one of those top picks in my rookie draft to acquire talent from last year, because I'm a big believer in the talent from last year, from the wide receiver class to the rookie running back class. There's a lot to be had there. And if you can snipe one of those players, like we mentioned earlier, if you're not, if you're seeing that your league mate is not a big believer in Antonio Gibson, or maybe they're just not believing in the longevity or the potential of JK Dobbins, or they think Justin Jefferson, as amazing as he was, it was a fluke. You know, I'd rather cash him in and you got it. You know, maybe you can get him for a first and a second. Then those are the things I'm doing. I'm going after some of those talent from last year. This is the year to get younger. The year to get younger is how I put it. This is the year to get younger in your draft. So, Paul. This was a fantastic episode. I hope everybody enjoyed this in terms of the class. Again, if this intrigued you, if this type of information intrigued you, well, then you are a prime candidate to be looking into purchasing our rookie scouting notebooks. Here, the Saturday to Sunday football scouting notebooks, we have three notebooks that take you from the actual rankings notebook, which give you all of our rankings, including the tiers that you're going to hear over the course of the series in these episodes, as well as Devi rankings, as well as dynasty rookie rankings. It's really stockpiled with just intriguing kind of breakdowns 
of where these players belong in various lists. It's an absolute must if you're trying to plan for today and also for tomorrow. And then, of course, you get the scouting notebook, which we're up to about 100 prospects with detailed evaluations, basically going from their strengths, where they're functional, their fits to where they're going to go in the future, you know, where they might fit and what types of offenses. And then of course you get what I consider to be the absolute best resource and viewing guide for the NFL draft. And that is Paul's baby. That is the, uh, that is the draft projections notebook, which really is everything that Paul's hearing, seeing and reading. You know, there's nobody that reads more about the NFL draft then Paul and he really does put his heart and soul into it and it shows through and through as every literally every prospect that has a, a pulse in the draft has something said about them it is a fantastic fantastic document one that makes the draft kind of come alive for you from night one all the way through to the end so while everybody's kind of tuning out you'll still be tuned in with your favorite team and the players that are on the board so Please, if you have any interest in these types of things, purchasing those things really help us keep the lights on and keep us helping producing the content that we love. Everything you purchase, all the proceeds go right back into the show and keeping it on air. And we really do appreciate it. It is the best way to say thank you. And, and we really do welcome any support there. Again, download and subscribe to the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast if you haven't already. Those hap- those absolutely help us tremendously, and we always welcome those ratings and those feedback, so please feel free to do that. And, of course, I just wanted to stop for a moment and say thank you to everybody for the support for our show recently and all the support we get on you know Twitter and social media and across all platforms. We are incredibly humbled by that, and we're excited, excited to continue to bring you content you know, forever and into the future. Mm-hmm. So, Paul, on behalf of myself, Paul, and David Nicano of the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast, please join us next time as we continue Tier Busters as we take you through the explosive terrain that is the NFL draft as we begin to say who is going to be the next man up in your league. So, please join us next time as we take you from Saturday to Sunday.